on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. To the bat poles. May the force be with you. Who is that mask man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm your host, Ulysses E. Campbell. Now, some genre-related news before we get to today's discussion. A group of authors has joined forces with the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America and several other writers' guilds in an effort to compel Disney to pay royalties due for previous work on the Star Wars franchise. The group has formed the Disney Must Pay Task Force. At least part of this stems from a story that went public last year as noted sci-fi author Alan Dean Foster talked about his struggles with Disney. Evidently, Disney, upon taking control of Lucasfilm, ceased royalty payments to Foster for his work on the very first Star Wars novels. Foster has been attempting to negotiate a contract. Disney's position seems to be that the obligations of royalty contracts entered into by Lucasfilms did not transfer to them when they purchased the Star Wars franchise. And although Foster is actually close to completing a negotiation with Disney, the task force has been approached by multiple writers across licensed novels and comics tie-ins who all believe that royalty negotiations for work prior to Disney's acquisition have been terminated. As part of its campaign, the SFWA and the task force are asking writers who believe they have a right to royalties for prior work on franchises now owned by Disney to make contact via the group's website. More on this story as it continues to develop. Pictures leaked from the set of Ms. Marvel earlier this week show star Iman Vellani in the familiar red, yellow, and blue costume from the comics. You can take a look on any of the Fantastic Forum social media platforms. And while you're there, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook. We like to be followed and we love to be liked. Tuesday, May 4th, was Star Wars Day. Observed annually on May 4th, it is a celebration of fandom for George Lucas's fantasy sci-fi masterpiece. And apparently, it all began with a pun. Margaret Thatcher was elected as the United Kingdom's first female prime minister on May 4, 1979. The victorious Conservative Party took out a newspaper ad that read, May the 4th be with you, Maggie. Congratulations. However, the date wasn't connected with the Star Wars-themed holiday until 2008 when a social media fan group celebrating something called Luke Skywalker Day adopted the pun as a slogan. While other Star Wars-themed holidays have been proposed, including Los Angeles' Star Wars Day on May 25th in celebration of the release date of the first movie, and Revenge of the Fifth, a pun on Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, None of those have caught on with the same vigor as May the 4th be with you. And some sad news this week as comic book artist John Paul Leon passed away on May 1st. Leon was best known for his work on Static and Earth-X. He was 49. 
Now it's time to introduce our panel. Today we're talking about the finale of Invincible on Amazon Prime. Joining me are Shireen Nicole, Roberto Ortiz, and Julian Lytle. Everybody, welcome to the show. So, in this episode, I thought that we would talk about uh, Robert Kirkman's Invincible. Of course, Invincible, for some of you, uh, it's a comic book uh, published by Image. And, um, you know, I think the Skybound imprint, uh, you know, is a part of it. Most people were familiar with uh, the other comic book work uh, that Robert Kirkman wrote uh, that gained a lot more notoriety up until now, which was The Walking Dead. But Invincible actually was uh, being published for a number of years. Uh, they had, uh, I want to say, close to 150 issues of that. I mean, I forget where it actually uh, ended, but... Um, I found it to be a very compelling story, uh, sort of a uh, a retelling of sorts of the Superman story. Uh, you know, basically, what if Superman had a son and, oh, by the way, the Kryptonians are evil uh, warlords who conquer worlds. <laughs> So, uh, but it was a very interesting take on on all of that. And essentially, uh, you know, what it, you're the son of the most powerful superhero on Earth, and uh, the stories focus on you. So, um, I mean, of course, uh, Robert Kirkman and uh, Corey Walker and uh, Ryan Otley, I believe, is the other uh, artist yes. because Corey yeah. Walker didn't yeah. didn't do a lot. I mean, he sort of established the characters, but um, great, great comic that has now been adapted into an Amazon Prime animated series. And uh, everybody that I, I know who has seen it, who isn't familiar with the comic, uh, has just been absolutely... I, well, I, 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 I don't know which adjective I want to use. Um, Shireen, as somebody who uh, was not familiar with the well in the sense that you didn't actually read i mean i know you knew it was a comic book but not familiar with it in the sense that you didn't actually read the comic book um what were your reactions to this thing uh, because you've you've said quite a bit and you've also mentioned that uh, two friends of ours julian lytle and uh, philip uh, jean pierre didn't look out for you well enough in terms of <laughs> what was going to happen. Yeah, it's Julian, my friend. You know what I'm saying? Like, he even said to me, blame Kirkman. And I said, blame Kirk Kirkman's not my friend. I, I look to you. Let me tell you something. I got hit in the head by Invincible. I am, um, I'm sitting there. Julian and I are watching it for a review. And about 10 minutes in or so, maybe five, I said to Julian, what's wrong here? There's something wrong here. And he goes into his supervillain chuckle. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's just laughing maniacally. And so I'm scared. By the time I get to the end of episode one, I am like making weird noises you know like when you're like like basically have you ever had your car stop and it can't start again <laughs> i know what, what you're talking about those are jacked up noises too and we still had two more episodes of this very fine shocking horrifying 
gut-punching series to watch. So I kid you guys not. I said, Julian, I'm going to need a minute. He's still giggling, right? I go, and my nephew had sent me a unicorn for Christmas. I go and get the unicorn. I got some David Bowie socks. I put those on. I get a blanket. I get the unicorn. It's my emotional support plushie. And that is the only way I got through the first three episodes of Invincible. It it was it 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 fried my little brain. But it's also incredibly good. And Invincible is everything that I wanted from the boys. When people say the boys has something to say, I'm like, no, the boys just vomits all over everything. But Invincible has a point and a purpose and character development, and the violence is leading you somewhere that speaks about who we are. Yes, but do you feel that the violence was, it got to a point that was a little bit exploitative towards the end? Well, at Roberto, I'm glad you said that because honestly, that was my one issue with this animated series. Um, you know, which is- That's y'all blood pump Kool-Aid. Well, wait. no, it, look. Lissy's read the comic, so now I want to hear his thoughts because like the comic though but frankly everything that happened on the and in the animated series actually happened in the comic and particularly the graphic nature of oh by the way <laughs> getting to a spoiler there will be spoilers if you have not watched invincible and you would like to then uh, you might want to silence this uh, show. <laughs> so anyway, come back after you've after you've listened, and watched, and and seen it. It's a it's a real faithful adaptation mm. of uh, like the first I don't know twenty issues of the comic or something, you know. But um, I mean, they got to some of these places quicker than the comic book did. And then the Amber character uh, that was voiced by Zazie Beetz. Um, she was a white girl in the comic book, you know, and they've just they've they've, uh, you know, race swapped her, which isn't bad. I mean, that it, I mean, it didn't really matter, um, you know, it, and it's fine what they've done. But, yeah, the graphic nature of it. And, and again, all of this stuff happened, but it did it did seem as if there was a greater emphasis on the gore and the um, explicit yep. nature of the way that they presented this stuff. And I don't know, maybe part of it was it wasn't emphasized in the same way in the comic book. I mean, it wasn't superfluous to what was going on, but, um, you know, they just, I mean, you know, people's heads got crushed and hands got down into, you know, the, 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 the muck and the brains. You mean and, somebody uh, you got know. their spine pinched out. Yeah. Yeah, but, and people's but... hands came out dripping blood you know yeah, i mean yeah, and, and, yeah i i think the difference here is that when the image were static in panels and you glance over them while you're reading the words uh hits different it does than seeing it animated and moving because i stopped reading the comic after about 70 issues because mm. of the gore and violence hmm. so wow. like for me the way my brain works is that I'm making it move in my head. So me just seeing the animated series is like, yeah, this is this is this is what Invincible is. Um, all that type of gore was there again. It's just not moving, and there's no voices and there's no screams. Remember, you're just reading it; it's silent, and you're imagining a bunch of stuff. But 
everybody imagines differently. But to me, the the gore is the same level. And I don't, that's part I of the didn't point. find it as gratuitous at all. I mean, maybe that's because I was raised on geysers of blood, you know, Japanese cinema and stuff like that. But for me, if it has a point, I'm okay with it. And and I'll also agree with Julian. When I read the first couple issues of Walking Dead, and I remember that one blonde zombie girl in the park crawling around, it was mm. it didn't bother me in the comic. I was like, oh, okay. When I mm. saw that on AMC... I could not sleep. It was something you could see the pain in her eyes in the in when it when she was moving, when she was crawling, the desperation, the hunger. It was all there and as Julian said, it hit different. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, because you you guys make uh, excellent points. The only thing, Shireen, I would I mean I would say I I, I didn't mean to imply that the level of violence was gratuitous at all. You know, it was just it was just exceptionally graphic to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, but it absolutely served a purpose. And in fact, uh, I thought in the battle between Invincible and Omni-Man, uh, the, the, the level of violence actually, it, it, I mean, that made a really good point. And it was so important that they showed that the way that they did. I I I have objections with that because I I felt like it, it, okay you made your point and then you keep making the point and you keep making the point and all of a sudden you murder everybody on a subway train and you literally show it in a most graphic fashion and it gets to a point where it moves from making the point to why uncomfortably felt like am I seeing por- torture porn here in a way because it's it's. Uh, I get it. He sees the human beings like roaches, and he's killing us left and right like roaches. Wait, it's so, also... Wait, wait, wait just a second. Roberto, you didn't read the comic book, did you? Nope, but I was aware of the story, and I was aware of the twist. That's it. Okay, all right. Well, I, you know, there, there's more to come. It's all it's that it's I can say. It's, it's, uh, it's yeah. It's Twist City. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, you know, and Julian, I'm sorry, Shereen, I'll come back to you in just a second. But Julian, I I know you since you read at least 70 issues into it. I know you know what I'm talking about when uh, when I say even a twist. (laughs) When you know what's going to happen, that that part ain't even really a twist. Like this is yeah. For me, that point is not even showing that he thinks he's he's really showing that part is for Mark more than it is for us. We're just with yeah. Mark. And yeah, Debbie. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, yeah. It's also for Debbie too. It's to see. Oh yeah, and what to her hear. Husband is capable of. <laughs> and to hear. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know that's ooh that because that was all very rough. Well, no, no, but specifically, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, because and and I'm I'm gonna tap dance around this because they have I mean, and the show has already been renewed now for season two and season three. Which is great because yeah, I'm really looking forward to see what they do. But I mean, I I don't think that it's a spoiler to say that this isn't. We haven't seen the last of Omni Man. Okay, no, that, is, you know? that is not a spoiler. <laughs> yeah, no, and not. and so, but Julian knows what happens with that, and I'm just. I mean, I don't see how they're going to how they're going to do this <laughs> with the what ending, they show. <laughs> the ending montage gives you for those who read clues on the the realness like omni man ain't nothing 
<laughs> you, everybody just saw this. Omni-Man ain't nothing. Omni-Man, That's true. Yeah. Omni-Man, he gave his son a spanking. That's what he did. <laughs> but, it, but, it was, but what it's important to know is it was an abusive dad spanking. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, just no, I get spanking. what you're saying, but you they, know. they're just saying it's going to get... Perspective. Back to perspective. what Roberto was saying um, is that it wasn't about humans or roaches. That wasn't really the point because, I mean, it was a part of it, of course, because we're seeing, for most of us, we're seeing Nolan from from his interior. But what's really going on is about the abuse of how he's attempting to brainwash his son into what is essentially a cult or a, a fascist movement or something like that. Yeah. And and I think that in that it was effectively done, had he stopped at any time before his son was choking on his own blood, you don't really get the what this this world is telling you. And I mean, and and of course we've watched Nolan commit genocide and we've watched all of that. So for me, it's not I, I just like I don't I don't I don't have this like scale that's like, you know, bad is not bad because something else is worse. No, nah, that's bad. And if other things are happening that's worse, it's just it's just kind of adding to what Kirkman was trying to say about this world and the things that we ignore. Right? And yeah. that's why I think it has more to say than something like the boys. I'm more interested. Oh, yeah. And that's why well, I'm it, not bothered by the violence. I'm enjoying every little reveal, every little cliffhanger. So I would rather just enjoy it as it comes, you know? I have enjoyed this show to a level that I just allow myself to submerge in it, into it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, that's all I was trying to say. Oh, I hear you. I hear you. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Julian Lytle and Roberto Ortiz and Shireen Nicole, and we are talking about the animated series Invincible from Amazon Prime that just completed an eight-episode run uh, on Amazon Prime uh, last week to great acclaim. Of course, it is the adaptation of the image comic Invincible from Kirkman and Corey Walker and Ryan Otley. I'll give you what I like. I like the basically what first thing I would like to ask Kirkman if I ever meet him is uh, who hurt you? Because this is it felt like the kind of it's like you realizing one day that your dad or your granddad was a white supremacist. It's like what? Uh, or, or was a horrible person in a previous life and you never knew about it. And that realization hit me very hard specifically in terms of because i knew the twist was coming but seeing it hit hard and i'll give that to kirkman that is actually very relevant to the conversations we're having now in terms of one generation realizing that the previous generation has a lot of sense to attune for it's like a, a somebody finding out that your father again is a white supremacist and he kept that hidden from everybody else in the family or finding out that grandpa had a a KKK hood it's in in the attic and you didn't know he had that it's like oh my god and it changes basically your whole perception of reality 
And I like that about, that about it. But again, it's the violence that basically got me to cringe a bit. Um, the production was fantastic. Um, the animation was good. Uh, the production design was really good. And I don't blame Apple. Sorry, Amazon basically renewing them for two seasons because each it's obviously a show that is not cheap to produce. So it's great. Well, going off of what Roberto said, like yeah, I can. It it takes it takes a lot getting used to the amount of uh, blood and guts. They're showing the actual consequences of some of these fights, which I think was his one of his main points when making the book. Because at the time, he was just starting to. Um, just starting to break in at Marvel because he was already he was an independent guy. He do, he did things like Battle Pope and such. Mm, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, he was just starting to get some 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 waves over there. And I think he might have did a a random DC comic too. But at that point, he was you know he was pretty Marvel strong. He was working on some. I think he, it was a point he took over Ultimate X Men. He did Marvel Team Up, uh, which actually does have an Invincible crossover. During mm. that run, uh, but yeah, some of it comes from wanting to play with these these icons or these these archetypes and getting to do different things with them that the companies would never let would never let him do. Right. Or not saying that they won't do them; they just wouldn't let him do them. So he went and made his own thing. So I think right now with the the amount of oversaturation of the superhero in media does kind of mirror the state of comics in the early 2000s. During that time, it feels like everybody was on a comic book store. Everything was Marvel and DC. They started putting out a lot of these books. Mirrors kind of like all these shows and all these movies. And Invincible is hitting the right spot just like it did when it first came out to just be a little bit different. And I think that one of the things in regards to what... uh, Sharina saying versus the boys, uh, again, I, the boys is is in the comic form, very very cynical, and Invincible is very very earnest. Yes, mm. he is American. He loves superheroes. The boys yeah. is 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 resentment at DC. Yeah, I think those are those coming from two different places. Yes. Mm. Yes. Uh, yes. It, it, it absolutely is. But I was I wasn't talking about Ennis the boys. I was talking about Amazon's the boys. Well, I, I know, but it's right. like yeah. the it's still coming. Like you can't separate the show from what it to me from what it came from. Gotcha. So, like, I see. I do. I, I feel like the boys the first season, um, the first year in the comics actually did have something to say. And I agree with you. Like I totally agree with you. The the comic book is cynical. And and like you said, the Invincible in both iterations is earnest. But for me, the boys' TV series is just about shock value. They they don't care about character development, and you have no emotional ties to the boys because it it doesn't give these characters any depth. They're just meant to go out there and be slapstick and gross. That's my take. Yeah, and unfortunately, people have fallen for it. I agree with Julian specifically. You cannot separate the DNA of the show from the origin of the shows. That the take specifically that the boys, as its heart, was very cynical view of superheroes is fallen. Um, and I agree specifically that basically, Invincible is an earnest Silver Age look at the superheroes. Uh, 
that's why the 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 graphic violence is kind of like whoa where is this coming from but i understand where is what the story is trying to tell so um something else that uh, i had wanted to mention about invincible or i mean because we've we've and i'm sure we'll talk more about mark and nolan and debbie and uh, you know some of the 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 lead characters um but some of the supporting characters on this show i think are extremely interesting and i was um i was a little disappointed at the way that again the way they've sort of rushed some of these storylines because when you're reading the comics um they ease you gradually into this stuff and uh, you know like specifically in this instance i'm talking about that robot storyline where he broke the two, um, you know, big clone guys uh, out of jail and had them clone him a body. I mean, you know, because you had no idea what was going on with that. And, you know, as far as anybody knew, robot was actually a robot. And, uh, you know, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, crap, is he evil? What's happening? Oh, my God. And that twist, when you find out that he is this, uh, disfigured guy who's living in a tank and is just all messed up but wants to live differently and knew that those guys had the technology to make it happen that was like oh my god and i tell you what it was in the comics it was and and the the tv show didn't really approach this for me they tried hard it was a good scene but it didn't have the it wasn't as poignant as it was in the comic book when the newly grown uh human robot is talking to the original guy who is dying and you know and you realize wait a minute oh only one of them is is going to make it and you know the the disfigured guy is saying nah it's okay I always knew that this is that this was the way it was going to be. Maybe not dis- maybe not disfigure Yuli. I don't know if that's a great term. I, I understand, and you know, not to um, give offense to anybody, you know, who is you know challenged or um, you know, uh, just, it, it, just, it, it, you. I think I you mean, can probably just say disabled. Well, uh, it, to, to me, this guy. That yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was beyond that. You know, I mean, this wasn't, and again, you know, not to give offense to, you know, disabled people behind this, but, you know, this, this, I mean, that poor guy was in really bad shape. I mean, so much so that he was willing to clone himself and then die so that his clone could have a new life and basically be him. You know, I just found that to be a really powerful story, honestly. I mean, the the way that they presented that and, uh, you know, again, particularly the way that unfolded in the comic. So, um, I mean, I'm just, I'm curious about uh, what some of you all thought about uh, Robot and even, heck, Adam Eve, I mean, who also uh, played a huge role in this and continues to uh, play a huge role as a supporting character and co-star in this. But that musical cue means that it's time for us to take a short break because, of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. We are a community radio station, and we are right now in the midst of our spring fund drive. Please make it your business 
to visit the website at WERA.FM or uh, the or website of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media, at ArlingtonMedia.org and find out how you can make your tax-deductible gift in support of community media today. Anyway, we'll be right back right after this because Shireen and Roberto and Julian and I have a lot more to talk about on all of this. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. And we're back here on the Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Julian Lytle and Shireen Nicole and Roberto Ortiz. And we have been talking about the latest animated series on Amazon Prime. It's called Invincible. It's written by Robert Kirkman. It's really, really good. It just ended an eight-episode run last week. So... At the conclusion of the first half of the show, I was talking a little bit about one of the supporting characters, and I'm sort of curious, uh, as far as you guys, how you all felt about these supporting characters that were in this thing. Well, okay. But I was like, okay. I cared more of, uh, I felt that the relationship between Omni-Man and the relationship he had with his son and his wife, I found that more compelling. Because the thing is, I guess because I'm a grown-ass man and middle-aged guy, and the whole thing of teenage drama I found aggressively boring. Um, and in terms of Robot Man, yeah, that was a chalk. But again, I kept getting sucked back into the relationship dynamics between Omni-Man and his son and and his and his wife and how well, of course you did that was the main storyline but that's yeah. not what i'm asking you <laughs> I, I found that more compelling than the secondary characters i, I yeah it, it was a more compelling story than the one with the secondary characters not for me yeah like i like i'm all about teen team i'm all about uh, guardians of the globe and i'm all about cecil yeah, like I don't, I don't even know how y'all could like. That's why I said Julian stopped me because he was protecting y'all. But I'm gonna say it again: <laughs> y'all's hearts pump Kool Aid. Because... So when they killed, the, how did you react to when they killed the, all the Guardians of the Globe? I imagine you were screaming at the Okay, beat. because for me, what was brilliant about that scene is this: they know that you don't know these characters, right? So yep. they give you this series of vignettes with each of these yep. characters where not only do they submit who they are, their lives, their, who they love in their lives, but also their connections to the members of the Justice League uh, as, as their analogs, right? So when you get to the scene where, where Omni-Man straight murks them, I'm screaming. Again, Julian is laughing. I'm screaming, no, not Batman. Oh, it killed the Flash. He punched through Wonder Woman. That's how I, and that's the brilliance of it, right? Because we don't know these characters. So it is the power of our connection to the Justice League that makes that scene have even more impact than, than the shock, right? Can I remind and, that he, he put a hole through Bandel Savage and ripped his head off. Well, I mean, he... He he 
ravaged all of them in horrific ways. talking about the, the immortal. Yes. Oh no, sorry. that's Bandle's freaking savage. No, no, actually, it's, he's a little bit more Captain Marvelish than he is Vandal. It's a it's a no, mashup, most but most of them are mashups, right? Because yeah. you, you got Etrigan Hellboy, you got you know Jonah Hex, Agent Graves. Yeah, it's all there. But I, I felt like that was the genius. So for me, when y'all are saying the secondary characters were not compelling, I don't know what you're talking about. No, no I didn't say because. I, I didn't say that they were not compelling. I said as compelling. I, I felt the storyline was okay, but for me, the, the heavy meal was more in, in, interesting, specifically. And I don't agree, and I'm going to tell you why. What? So, so for example, with Robot, where well, Ulysses, and this may be a function of ha not having seen or read the comic book, so there's nothing missing for me. So just taking it on what was presented, I like that Robot was doing it for love. I like that it was wrong, but that the, what was what was compelling him to to um, to try to live a different life from the one that he had was this idea that he'd met someone that he wanted to to love, and and this fear. Or, or for me, this underlying idea that he did not think she could connect with him as he was, you know, and, and that's just real human stuff, right? I, I like the, the exchange between um, Amber and Adam Eve and their friendship and them understanding each other. I love the best friend. So for me, all of the... To me, there's no separation. It's all a part of one story with this ensemble cast, and 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 that's what made it work. The robot part works for me too, as a person who, who read it. I actually like it. The way they um they moved it up in the story, and they kind of compressed some things, did some nice little editing. <clears throat> I think it it hits a little bit more stronger for me, like it impactful than than him just being like, oh yeah robot is it totally a robot there's like a dude but like the whole like the way they the way they paste the scene out and the sounds and the the waking up part and the like him the him talking to his former self as his former self is mm -hmm. passing away mm -hmm. I, to me it works better as animation than it did as a comic looking back on it right uh, like them not knowing which one was which yeah, just like the Mauler twins and the Mauler twins, uh, yeah. All to me, a lot of that stuff is interesting because I, I get what Roberto's. I, I guess with his him, he's he's married, he's a dad. Uh, I'm over forty now. I ain't got no wife. I ain't got no kid. Give me the drama. Give me the team. <laughs> give me, give me uh, Rexplode cheating on Adam Eve with duplicate. <laughs> give me that. Give mm -hmm. me the messy. The messiness is gonna bring me back. Even now, I know that the messiness is coming. Well, I'm laughing in Shireen's ear, and she's like, "Oh no!" I'm like, <laughs> "Rude, <laughs> messiness rude, is coming, man. Messiness. That's what I want. I need the messiness. The messiness keep that's the that's the good stuff in the sandwich, the bread and the mayonnaise. Mm, I need that. <laughs> I need the lettuce, <laughs> tomato. You <laughs> like a sloppy joke? That's you like sloppy. You, you want to slide down your hand? You like with the good red grease? You know what I'm saying? I like. <laughs> Throw a little bacon on there, make it a club. You know what I'm saying? You cut it down the middle. Well, yeah. you know, Kirkman is a good enough writer that 
uh, he has really fleshed out the supporting characters and even the villains too, you know, and, and, and Cecil also, and, and Julian, you mentioned Cecil, uh, uh, you know, who is, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, sort of a, Hex, Agent Graves, Agent, <laughs> he's Amanda <laughs> Waller, if it had been a guy, if Amanda Waller was a guy, pretty sure, you know, and they haven't, they haven't, really scratch the surface of him yet because mm -hmm. his backstory is very interesting when they get to that i mean you know that um uh the stuff on his face you know there's there's a story behind that <laughs> and when they get to that that's like oh man you know i mean but he, and, and this organization that he runs and it cracks me up i mean every time in the comic book and they have translated this to the animated series that sign that's like united states pentagon parking and rear because it just cracks me up i'm like you know clearly kirkman has never been to the pentagon there ain't no rear to it there's like parking all around it you know and and it, just, it just cracks me up kirkman. like parking in <laughs> rear you know yes, <laughs> do everything that he does with writing with no research <laughs> you getting away with a whole lot of stuff you know you got mm -hmm. oh yeah away with all of that oh so yeah. now yeah now that you mentioned it parking in the rear you're like the pentagon is uh the whole point of that shape <laughs> <laughs> yeah no but <laughs> but it, but it's funny though i mean because you know a lot of places you know there's the sign and parking in rear and you know so that that's almost like a running joke because i mean of course, every time they showed the pentagon that was that was the that was it the sign united states pentagon parking in rear you know and uh, you know again which is uh, it, very funny to me but um you know the and the shield like organization that cecil runs um it is is it's it's vital, and uh, heck, you see that this guy is willing to—he's uh, willing to make compromises. I mean, hence uh, the um, the guy who was making the cyborgs, you know, because I mean that was a big deal in the comics, and those things yeah. are really tough. And you know, you think, oh, okay, this guy is beaten; he's going to jail. Nah, he's going to work for Cecil because these things are hell on wheels. Yeah, and, and you know, the minute Cecil that... goes up, you can see that Cecil is like, so you made this in a, in a sewer. Interesting. Ah, indeed. I'm, I'm going to put you to, you can see he's going to put that dude to work. And I'm like, Cecil is unsavory. You know, he, well, he has dubious morals. You gotta, but that's yes. why I keep saying that the character yeah. reminds me of a combination of Nick Fury and Amanda Waller. Basically, putting a blender and race swapping them, I guess. Well, no, you know, really. yeah. I mean, is white man. Yeah. yeah, unless you're talking about the ultimate universe, but yeah, I don't see. And he doesn't. His job reminds me of them, but his personality does not remind me of them. At yeah. All. <laughs> like, yeah. He's yeah. more he's Agent Graves the, to me. Or than, Director Bones, or yeah. uh, my man who who uh, was the mentor to to Gen Thirteen. Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of different other characters that are similar in Lynch. nature that came after them. Yeah, Lynch. They came after, you know, the Amanda Wallers, of course, Nick Fury. But yeah, and again, the, the, using the the element of Jonah Hex, like yeah, yeah, he's supposed to evoke some of Jonah Hex vibes. He's older, his face is messed up. He don't take no guff. Even if you got superpowers, I'm gonna teleport around, knowing I can't beat you. But I'm gonna I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the gnat I need to be. Aha. <laughs> and I'm gonna run away because you're gonna kill me. And and there's a certain element of self hate too there that you had to see. That is true. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, but he but he knows exactly who he is. Yeah, yes. He has no illusions about what his role is or, you know, what he does or the compromises he makes or any of that. I mean, um, you know, a lot of uh, characters who are the, you know, super spy, the head of the organization or whatever, you know, I mean, they, they'll give you the whole... Uh, song and dance about not being able to make an omelet without breaking a few eggs and you know they still see themselves as you know these good guys even despite the stuff that they're doing that's not Cecil <laughs> he's like uh, I am compromised I am ruined and I'll find what I have to constantly do and you know he's still making these choices and making these compromises and doing these things to you know, as Julian said, to protect the people. I mean, that's 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 just what you got to do. I mean, yeah, and I don't even seen. see it as self-hate. For me, it's not self-hate. He's self-aware. Mm. He's aware of who he is and what he's done. And as you pointed out, he is also aware that it is the cost he pays for trying to make good happen. And I, I like that complexity. I like complexity. And I also, I like that Kirkman loves these amalgam characters. You know, where you get these characters that are clearly uh, a blend of two characters or three characters that we know and love well, which also helps us to feel these emotional attachments to them much faster than we would because it really cements us that these are characters that populate a superhero, his superheroic world. Mm -hmm. and, and that makes the shock worse. Because <laughs> well, you're like... kind of cheap in a way that basically he's taking ideas from somewhere else and just recycle them in a way just to get a shock reaction. No, not, I don't think that right? at all. No, I no. think that, that what he's doing is what every great artist should do, which is building on what's come before. It li Listen, you can stand on your own and do only what you can accomplish in one lifetime, or you can climb up on these shoulders of giants and 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 keep growing and, and and reach much higher. And I think that you know that's just smart art. Mm. This yeah. is actually a very smart and complex story, but um, you know because they've still got some stuff. I mean, wait until you meet this guy, Angstrom Levy, for example. You know, you're saying too much. You're already saying too much. You're giving okay. out clues. You know what I'm saying? You're supposed to just not, you're supposed to not say, I want the shock oh. value. Yeah, see, Ulysses, you ain't getting it's that tough. evil laugh. It's tough. See, I got the laugh. I'm going, yeah, I want the enjoyment for when things happen. Oh. And then Shireen is like, Yo, why you ain't tell me about this? I'll be like, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you have to understand what's happening here. Yeah. So, so he will fight you for he let you tell me anymore. Nah, I don't want him. Yeah, you better not say nobody, <laughs> nobody else's name. <laughs> not even a syllable. Not a, not a initial. Let that. Let that just cook. Just let it that is just so hard. It is so hard because the stuff that's coming, I mean, the stuff that's coming. So, all right. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Julian Lytle and Roberto Ortiz and Shireen Nicole. And we have been talking about 
invincible. So we're, we're almost out of time now, but I, I want to talk about some more of these supporting characters. Uh, Adam Eve. I really like Adam Eve. I, I, I'd, I'd call her sort of Mark's uh, de facto partner, you know, almost, you know, they've worked together a couple of times. Uh, turned out they, you know, went to the same high school and, um, you know, she's somebody who he turns to sometimes for advice. You know, she's the one who had a little bit more experience uh, at being a superhero than he did. You know, he's sort of a loner, you know, like his dad, you know, not really a joiner. And, um, you know, I just I love the character. I mean, the, the, another one of those doesn't wear a mask, have no idea why people don't recognize her. You know, and <laughs> she said to, uh, you know, to, um, you know, Mark's friend when he finds out that she's a superhero and he's like, what? <laughs> you know, and wait, I see it now. You know, it's and William. He, it's William. William. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. But, um, you know, the and it's funny because uh, under different circumstances, uh, th there would have been conflict, say, between Eve and um, Amber, you know, but there isn't and there doesn't need to be. And it's fine. And, uh, you know, I'm just I'm loving that, too. And I feel for Eve also. I mean, her home situation is really jacked up. I mean, she can do these incredible things and it's like her parents don't appreciate it. And her parents um, you are know, don't understand. They're sexist. Well, maybe not misogynist. Her parents are sexist. Well, yes, they are. For sure. But like that's I think that's one thing that the show portrays better and stronger than the comic did. Because in the comic, you get so caught up into um, you get so caught up into Mark and William and Nolan and Debbie and 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 a teen teen and everything else that the little bits with her life leading her to do what she needs to do. I yeah, think it's downplayed, yeah. but in the show, it got the right amount so you don't ever forget it. Why she's doing what she's doing in her place as being like, yeah, the, a partner character. Like she's more experienced, even though she's not the main character. She's not weak either because her name is Adam Eve and she does some crazy stuff. <laughs> and, you know, now in the comment in the, in the cultural idea, we know, a person that can do stuff with Adams, you know, we, we go over to Watchmen and they treat it as the most powerful thing on in, in the universe. So, like, what is that? And what does that think about that now? Right? Well, and that's mm -hmm. the growth arc, right? There's a part of this arc that you can kind of see coming with her. And she's got some really nice M appeal vibes for me, you know. Actually, the only one that I can see taking on Omni-Man directly well she could in fact rewrite him hmm. she can if, if that's what she wanted to do. Uh, you know maybe i don't they they might play some game with the viltramites in terms of uh you know whether or not uh, they they're not made up of atoms they're made up of midichlorians don't, don't 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 say too much Ulysses. I'm just let, it, <laughs> let it wash over them <laughs> just let them assume what they assume. Just let them go. I'm a, I assume nothing. I only said that technically, from what we know at this point in time, she could technically, from what we know now, not from what y'all know, rewrite him. Now, she is powerful. She and, is very powerful. Now, whether or not that happens, because you can't just let. Adam Eve give him a, a atomic uh, uh, lobotomy. You can't do that. That's too easy. But 
that's a possibility with her powers. So many possibilities. Mm, indeed. So many well, yeah, you know, also, uh, uh, well, they advanced the story so quickly. One, one of the things that I liked about the comic book and the fact that they eased you into it gradually, um, you know, the it made what happened with Omni-Man and his betrayal uh, that much bigger because, I mean, he was... I mean, you didn't hardly see him, I mean, because he was fighting other things and doing other stuff. I mean, like he came back home one day and he had a, he had a beard and all this is, yeah, by my perspective, I've been gone for two years. I was in this other dimension fighting these things. And, you know, but, hey, I'm going to go genocide. <laughs> I'm going to go upstairs and clean up, you know, <laughs> but Ulysses, you got to remember that kind of happened in like issue 13. So it's not being that the episodes are over 45 minutes long. Sometimes close to an hour. It doesn't actually move that much fast. They just took some stuff that happens like a little bit further, like a couple issues further, mm-hmm. and sprinkled yeah. it in here. Like when you actually go back and look at it, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't go that far. They That's didn't, they true. Didn't really get that far. And in fact, the, didn't the Reanimen stuff actually happen afterwards? A little bit, like a, yeah. Like a that that issues. that's what I was thinking. Yeah, they moved a little stuff mm. a little bit around, but it's still. We ain't even yeah. got the issue 18 yet. We ain't even get the issue 17 yet. We still like around 14, 15 in terms of the general story. But we still mm-hmm. early. Like the, to me, going about the pacing, seasons two and three just maybe gets us to like issue like 35. Hmm. Maybe, maybe if they work it right, issue 40. But there's How like 160 some odd issues. How many seasons do you think they can go? 10 8 easily to 10. easily <laughs> especially if they're only doing eight episodes per season i mean there is a lot of material to this and uh, i mean in fact one of the things that i loved about the comic it 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 sort of <laughs> harkened back to the fantastic four from marvel comics how they had at the top of the masthead um the the world's greatest comic magazine mm-hmm. you know well uh, at the t- at the top of the masthead of invincible it was like the greatest the, the wor- world's greatest comic or greatest comic on earth or something along those lines and um it didn't really disappoint <laughs> in terms of that i mean you know and and now I, I, it, another character that i really liked who we're going to see more of is alan the alien and Ooh. i thought that was funny how he comes in he's like wait it, it, this is Earth? You're you know, right. this isn't... Yeah, <laughs> that's like, you mean I've been coming to this other place? I thought this was... The, oh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, and voiced by Seth Rogen. That really Perfect worked voice. well. Mm, indeed. We yeah, do right. have to speak about how tremendous this cast is. Oh, the voice cast yeah. is amazing. They sold it. That's really yeah. what sold it. More than that's the animation. That's of money. They, you can tell, basically, they didn't go cheap in any department. Yeah, well, all of these uh, voice actors, all these are in front of the camera actors who are doing this stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they bring these bang-up performances to this thing, taking more work away from <laughs> from true voice-only actors. You know. But, well, John, hey, but he, he does he, a lot, though. He's J. Jonah Jameson. He's Cora's mentor. He's a, he, does a, he does a lot of cartoon work. J.K. Simmons. Yeah, yeah. J.K. Mm-hmm. Simmons. And um, Steve Yoon was the new, the new Keith. And new Voltron. Um, mm. You know, they have some Star Wars. They have my guy who does 
uh, who's been doing Cyborg for the last uh, 18 years. Uh, he's Carrie? In it. Is it Carrie Payton? Yeah, he's in it. Um, they have a good number of people that's, that's a regular voice voice actor, so it's not all stealing money from... Uh, <laughs> you gotta you put it like this, you gotta blame Touché. Touché. Batman yeah, Animated Touché. Series and, and Warner Brothers for for going ahead and going to get good character actors to to voice characters. Can we just talk about the genius of Jason Matsukas as Rexplode? <laughs> yeah, he was good. He was annoying. Yes, he was the right amount of annoying. <laughs> uh, it's funny because I heard I heard somebody. In fact, it might have been Shireen said exactly the same thing you did, Julie. And the voice cast sold it. You know, I mean, you know, the, and the animation is great. I mean, they got top shelf animation houses to put this stuff together, uh, you know, which which is this top shelf story. And then you get top shelf talent to do it. And, um, you know, and, and what you get is something that gets renewed for season two and season three simultaneously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amazon does not want to let that go. And yeah, I had said that. Can we talk about how great this cast is? And, and, I, and I was not talking about the, the animated cast, I, I, the, the voice actors who, who completely body and embody and body this, their performances. Mm-hmm. You believe them. Yeah. Yeah, you really do. Goggins is Cecil. Right. You know. Fantastic. Mahersha Ali is Titan. That 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 was heartbreaking. Mahersha <laughs> Ali, he be out here, he be voicing, he do everything. <laughs> Kevin Michael Richardson's the Mauler twins. Come on, that is oh, Trigun. He's a whole bunch of cartoon characters. He's... I know him more from cartoon characters than I do from the actual <laughs> team. It's true, and he's so good at it. Those twins, they they like. First of all, the chicken pot pie. Can we just? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they got my man's. <laughs> Michael Dorn is Battle Beast. He whooped everybody. Come on, that that was another one. I was like, this Thundercat got to get wrecked. Nancy <laughs> Brown and Mark Hamill in this. Yeah, yeah. Like Roberto but, said, they they paid for the cast. <laughs> they. But it's not only that they paid for it, it's basically how it was directed, that it was so well done in terms of the direction of the talent. Whoever was the voice acting director did a fantastic job. It's true. It, it just all comes together so well. You know, now, if you don't have the temperament for this kind of story and for this kind of, of bloodiness, I totally get that. But if you do have have the the stomach for it, it, it all hangs together in this really nice balance. And there's a few things you can talk about that are problems with it, you know. But overall, it works. You know, and I, I tell you what, I can't think of a better point uh, to conclude this discussion with. Because, regrettably, we have run out of time for this episode. And so I'm going to thank my panelists and you, too, for tuning in. Remember to visit the website for Fantastic Forum, where you can not only see the television version of the show, but you can also find all the different segments broken out for your convenience. I'm talking about the interviews. I'm talking about the toy and game profiles. I'm talking about the special features. I'm talking about the discussion. All those things that you love from the television version. And of course, 
If you miss any portion of the show on Saturday, it re-airs here on WERA each and every Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. And, of course, the show is also available as a podcast. Thanks to our friends at the Great Geek Refuge on all those platforms where your favorite podcasts are available. And great thing about the podcast, there's there's more material. You You tune into the podcast version and you'll get all of that. And, of course, because WERA is currently in the midst of its spring fund drive, I'm going to ask you to make it your business at some point today, some point this weekend. If you don't get to it today, visit the website for WERA at WERA.FM or the website for our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media at ArlingtonMedia.org and make your tax-deductible gift today in support of community media. And of course, don't forget to come back again next week. Same bat time, same bat station.